This paid program may not represent the views of Hubbard Broadcasting Incorporated or Federal News Network. Statements and opinions of this broadcast are solely those of individual contributors or advertisers as indicated. Federal News Network does not take responsibility for the statements or opinions and accepts no responsibility or liability for any inaccuracy, errors, or omissions reported during this program. Welcome to the Business of Government Hour, a conversation about management with a government executive who is changing the way government does business. The Business of Government Hour is produced by the IBM Center for the Business of Government, which was created in 1998 to encourage discussion and research into new approaches to improving government effectiveness. You can find out more about the center by visiting us on the web at businessofgovernment.org. And now, the Business of Government Hour. Welcome to a special edition of the Business of Government Hour, the Spade Interview Series on designing the future of defense and security. I'm Michael Keegan, your host and leadership fellow at the IBM Center for the Business of Government. I had the opportunity to conduct a series of interviews with government executives and thought leaders during this year's Spade Conference, hosted in Sosterberg, the Netherlands. Spade brought together defense, intelligence, and security leaders from Europe and around the world in dialogue with experts from IBM and industry. This year's theme, Designing for the Future of Defense and Security. The port of Rotterdam is the largest port in Europe. From all indications, the port is preparing for the future today, focusing on safety, efficiency, and sustainability. To do this successfully, the port is developing its digital twin, providing real-time situational awareness of all things static, moving, human-driven, or autonomous, pulling together all the geographic, sensor, and real-time information to provide port personnel a complete and current view of port activities. How is the Port of Rotterdam pursuing its digital transformation strategy? What exactly is a digital twin? And how can the use of digital twins be applied to other government agencies and mission areas? We'll explore these questions and more with Erwin Rademacher, Program Manager with the Port of Rotterdam Authority, who joined me and my co-host, Sriram Visvanathan, IBM Global Managing Director for Government, Healthcare, and Life Sciences, from the SPADE Conference, for an insightful and in-depth conversation. Erwin, welcome to the show. It's great to have you. Thank you. Sriram, welcome. Thank you, Michael. Uh, so for my audience, I'd like to give them some context. Could you tell us, give us a brief history of the Port of Rotterdam? And more importantly, what's the core mission of the Port of Rotterdam Authority? So um, the Port of Rotterdam goes back um, back to the, I think, 14th century. And uh, so we, we literally uh, lived through the uh, Industrial Revolution. You know, we, we lived through, the, through all the wars possible and known uh, in, uh, in Europe. Um, and we grew, we grew, uh, you know, since since ever. Um, so, um, and this mission is to uh, to accomplish um, a um, sustainable uh, growth uh, within the port of Rotterdam with all our partners um, and and stakeholders. And you work for or uh, the the port of Rotterdam Authority. Yes. It, it, what is their what is their mission? Is it to uh, secure to maintain it. Is it a private corporation? Yeah, yeah. We privatized in uh, 2004. Before that, we were all governmental. 
but we privatized in uh, 2004. And our mission, uh, well, our two uh, focal strategic points at, at this stage is to, um, to, um, to get uh, the energy, energy transition uh, to play a part, a leading part uh, in the energy transition, to be example for all the industries uh, within the port and take a leading role in that. And the other uh, strategic uh, focal point we have uh, these days is um, the digitization, the digital transformation. So, uh, you know, not to get into the weeds of numbers, but could you give us a sense of, for our audience, how big is the port and what kind of... Uh, well, you know, it's, it's, well, I can give numbers, but uh, let me try to explain it in another way. If you, if you sail with a vessel from, from the most western point of the port to the, to the most eastern uh, point uh, of the port, it will take you six hours to get there. So it's, it's more than 40 uh, kilometers long. Uh, in size, and that's that's huge, even for the size of Holland, which is a, a very uh, small country, as you know and you are aware of. Um, and uh, every so, if you if you go to an airport, and another explanation of the magnitude of the port, if you go to an airport, you see these these dots of lights. You know, every two minute interval of planes coming in at LAX, for example. Well, every six minutes, uh, a vessel is coming into the port or, or leaving the port. So there are, there are, yeah, it's it's very big. It's the biggest port of Europe, uh, actually. So, you know, what goes on in a port? And what I'm getting at is, what could you describe sort of the ecosystem, the port's ecosystem, how it works? What are the key components and core processes that make up or define uh, the work that takes place at the port of Rotterdam? Yeah. So before uh, answering that, you have to know we we are um, we are quite a, a mixed port, so to speak. So we have a lot of uh, petrochemical uh, uh, industry. Uh, we have a lot of container business, and and what you see in ports around the world is that you know they are they they have a specialization, and we have it all: dry bulk, wet bulk. Uh, cars, foods, you know, name it, and, and, and we will have a cluster of it. So we are organized uh, in a geographical way in clusters. So we have a cluster of petrochemical industry and refineries, container terminals, more inlands, you know, we go to the to the dry bulk uh, area, etc. Um, and, you know, it's, it's the core mission of the port is to, to get sea ships, in and out. So, you know, if you go back to the dictionary and you look up uh, a port, it's just a birthing place for ships. Um, so we build all the infrastructure uh, to to have these big vessels coming in to have them um, uh, to give them a, a safe port passage and a safe birthing place. And all the operations uh, that are going on, like the maintenance uh, of the refineries or the operations of the uh, container terminals, that's all uh, the business of our tenants. So we are landlord port. Uh, we lease the land and we and we uh, lease the, the water, so to speak, and we maintain the infrastructure and we maintain the, the water depth uh, with, with dressing process. But all the operations of of the maintenance of the uh, of the terminals, uh, where the goods you know are loaded on and off the ships, all all that is uh, our tenants' uh, businesses. So, so Irwin, what's the uh, what's the source of competitive advantage now for, for for a port like Port of Rotterdam? Because this business is changing, constantly changing. Yeah. Well, from from a historical point, uh, we are a river port. 
Um, so the the River Maas, uh, which is uh, and the Rhine, which are the well two of the biggest rivers in uh, on the European continent on the western side, they um, they 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 go into the sea at Rotterdam. So we have a, a strategic uh, adv- uh, advantage, so to speak, uh, to have a great connection with the hinterland, with water, uh, with the rivers. Uh, that's that's one uh, thing. At the, at the other end, we we have very deep waters. Um, so the the port of Rotterdam will be one of the first um, points uh, of of now we we say it, it's it's the first call for a ship uh, when it comes to Europe because it's very heavily loaded. You know, and on sea, the depth isn't an issue, but it has to offload in a in a deep port. So it comes to Rotterdam, it will offload, then it will go to other ports in Europe, and and offload and unload. And when it comes back for the last time, so we were we will be the the last point of contact as well. It will be offloaded to the max, uh, and then sail to, for instance, the the Americas or or the other way around. So these are the 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 most from a traditional way the most competitive uh, advantages. But it that will change. You know we have to think of other uh, competitive uh, advantages like to be the most connected port. Mm-hmm. Not only not only in the physical world. You know with a network of more than thousand ports, uh, but also in the digital world. And we have to be the most secure port um, to make sure that uh, cargo that is physically still within the port, but maybe digital uh, being hacked or, you know, um, I don't know other words for that, you know, but uh, um, so that the digital component of physical objects will be, and the security around it will be very important for the future as well. Yeah, it's a very interesting point. You and I have discussed it. And the nature of trade itself is changing as well, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, the trade patterns changing constantly. Um, and that introduces an additional dimension as well. So let's segue to to your role at the Port of Rotterdam. I think you are one of the most uh, fascinating jobs that I've encountered. So for the audience, perhaps you can describe uh, a little bit more about your role. Well, my role is, uh, is well, my function is uh, being a program manager, but that doesn't explain what I do. That's just a title, <laughs> you know, give me any title now. But I, what, I, what I'm doing is uh, I work directly uh, for the board uh, with, with, you know, regarding big changing programs within the board and, uh, and try to execute them. Um, and my, my focus is, and, and my belief is that we can't do that alone as a port. So we have to uh, create a coalition of uh, partners uh, for these big changes. Well, I, I was mentioning the energy transition and the uh, digital transformation. We are a port, so we basically we don't know anything about energy. Uh, as being a consumer, and we don't know anything about uh, um, IT business. You know, we run a port, so we have to uh, to uh, create these partnerships, um, and that's my role to create these partnerships to uh, enroll and share a vision of where we're heading uh, within, you know, the strategic um, mission of uh, of the port, and then try to execute that. You know. Um Erwin, regarding your role and responsibility at the port, I often ask my guests, what are the top challenges you face, maybe top three or so so challenges you face in your position, and how have you sought to address those challenges? Well, 
before before I I, I, I started with with my programs, uh, the most challenging part was to find partners. Um, you know that that were able to. So I have to introduce this a little bit more. Uh, if you look at the port, um, the the long term vision is in our genes. You know, so we I, I mentioned we we come a long way. You know, from the 14th century, but what what also is you know on a more um, tactical or short term level, and short term means 25 years. You know, we we create infrastructure, we build infrastructure like key walls and roads and all kind of you know new, even the mass flooded too. You know, which which was an increasement of 20 percent of our port area by, you know, dredging, you know, and putting new land out of the sea. These are big, big, big uh, infrastructural uh, programs and projects. So, you know, you, you, you won't, you won't uh, build a key wall, you know, and then demolish it in, in five years. It will last for 50 years. So long-term vision is, is within, within our genes uh, and in within our, our culture, and to find partners that that share that long term term vision instead of the short term, you know, one year cycle of profit and loss, etc., and and taking into account uh, shareholders' value or whatever, you know, that's that's been a, been been one of the the major things, and you know, that's why we 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 look for companies, you know, that are world market leader. Uh, in their in their position and 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 spend a lot of R and D you know to to last for the for the other years. The other thing that's more internal that's very um, challenging still is um, to get connection with the operational level. Um, also, we you know at the, at the port we have an operational team that that's doing the vessel traffic management etc. And that's very hard. so they do the standard jobs every day the same. Uh, because that's their, their, you know, they have to get every ship, you know, uh, into the port safe and get it out safe. So they control all the all the parameters and and business rules about uh, about these processes. But it's very operational. So if you if you come from a more the strategic level, um, you know, you have your vision. You know, we have to change because you know the, these are these are not little changes. Energy transition and digital transformation. These are major major disruptions. So the the coming of autonomous ships. For instance, you know, will will disrupt any any port process in the future. So if you have to explain that to the people that do the operations, you know, it's far from their bed, as we as it's a Dutch saying. I don't know if you know that in uh, in in. It does translate. All right. So so it's you know it's it's not 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 within their scope, you know, and they and they immediately um, reflect. Uh, these kind of changes uh, on onto their own jobs, and that's yeah, that's 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 a thing, yeah. so to speak. So it's interesting. Uh, I mean, we'll come to the two major transformation programs you're leading. You know, both energy transition and and the digital twin. Uh, but before that, just to just to give the the audience, uh, uh, you know, the listeners a, a bit of color. Tell us a bit about your career, uh, Owen. I mean, how did you get to have this? this leadership position of transforming an 800-year-old company into the next generation? Well, I, I you know, I, I, I didn't study for this role. I, I don't think you can, to be honest. Um, I studied law, public law, um, and I, uh, I joined the board in uh, 2002. 
and did some um, uh, programs with um, the province of South, uh, the Southern uh, Holland, and the uh, the uh, city of Rotterdam. So it was already, you know, a very stakeholder. Uh, focused, not not on the technical side, and then I um, I uh, helped the port with uh, to get privatized. So I um, I they made me responsible to get all the information from the uh, city of Rotterdam and the public's work department and all the systems to get all the information from the ports, you know, into our own uh, new systems like SAP, etc. So I've been around, um, uh, you know, for a while, and uh, I worked. Basically, you know, my programs are are spread out for the company, so every it will it will touch every department, um, and I think that's that's one of the, the the key components that that made my position now, and because I I, I know all the departments, and uh, yeah, it's I think more based on experience, you know, and. Uh, and the board still uh, <laughs> still believes in me, you know. So, yeah. This is a leadership show. Most of the folks we have on the show is they are uh, government executives like yourself, and or in a sense, a private sector executive. So, uh, I always ask this question: What are the characteristics of an effective leader in your mind? And what are some of your key leadership principles that you follow? <laughs> that's that's funny that you ask me, Mike, because I don't consider me. As a leader, no. No, I'm just a regular guy. Sorry for that. You know, it's uh, you know, and 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 you know, I'm 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 also sorry, Sriam. You know that. Um, you know, I I I love my job. You know, I love what we're doing. But it's it's not it's not the thing in my life that excites me most. You know, I'm. I, I like to write and like to to do other things as well. So, so you're uh, well rounded, then. Say. Yeah, say yeah, stage. and I, I just you know combine things uh, um, from from my private uh, life, you know, into my work, and I I never I never change, I never change. I still I think you know be yourself, you know, be true to yourself, you know. That's that's a teach the the lesson I teach to my to my children. Be yourself, you know. You don't have to be a leader. Well, that's actually a great leadership insight, is to be yourself. It is. It is. I, I, I've known Urban for about a year now. And, um, you know, I, I have to say to you, even though you, you don't consider yourself yeah. as a leader, I see the followership. I see the way that you are with your teams. And uh, especially you, you remember involving... Uh, Involving what teenagers to do your testing for you. I oh mean, yeah, that, that, that's leadership for me. You know, just <laughs> innovative thinking. It's thinking different. Yes. Yeah, because but that's, it's, that is it's, leadership. It 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 was. You know that that the story you mentioned, Shirian, was uh, about the the final uh, the final evaluation of a tender, in which uh, the user friendliness of a system uh, would would. I think it counted for fifty percent in the tender. And I mentioned uh, the the team leaders of the the, the two parties involved um, that uh, I would I would you know want to have a system as friendly as an iPhone and even that a little child uh, could use it. And in the final stage, I, I literally uh, introduced uh, the testing, uh, and I introduced uh, ten kids aged twelve to uh, eighteen, and I said. To, to to these to these parties involved, these are the the next generation of port employees, uh, because the partnership uh, lasted for ten years for that contract. 
I said, so within, in, within their working experience, when they start to work, they might consider to work for the port. So be aware that, you know, I don't want them to have any training. You know, they, it, it's just like an iPhone. So, and they chose, <laughs> they chose the system. We still, we still run the, the port map system. Uh, yeah, of Esri. Yeah, that's, yeah. How is the Port of Rotterdam developing its digital twin? We will ask Erwin Rademacher, Program Manager with the Port of Rotterdam Authority, when this special edition of the Business of a Government Hour returns. The federal government can reduce costs while improving services by adopting private sector cost reduction strategies and technologies to achieve similar benefits in government. Check out the IBM Center special report, Transforming Government Through Technology. It outlines how technology-based reforms can reduce federal costs by more than a trillion dollars over the next decade. Download Transforming Government Through Technology and all Center reports at businessofgovernment.org. The federal government can reduce costs while improving services by adopting private sector cost reduction strategies and technologies to achieve similar benefits in government. Check out the IBM Center special report, Transforming Government Through Technology, a companion piece to a more detailed report by the Technology CEO Council. That report outlines how technology-based reforms can reduce federal costs by more than a trillion dollars over the next decade. Driving change in the federal government requires more than new policies or the infusion of new technologies. It requires a sustained focus on implementation to achieve positive and significant results. This IBM Center special report provides a roadmap for government leaders to do just that. Download Transforming Government through technology and all IBM Center reports at businessofgovernment.org. Welcome back to a special edition of the Business of Government Hour, the Spade Interview Series. I'm Michael Keegan, your host, and my guest today is Erwin Rademacher, Program Manager with the Port of Rotterdam Authority. My co-host is Sriram Viswanathan, IBM Global Managing Director for Government, Healthcare, and Life Sciences. If you could outline the strategic vision, and you kind of hinted at it, but if we can get a little deeper into the vision and objectives of the port's total digital digitization transformation effort. And that's uh, beyond, I mean, it's, uh, part of it is the digital twin, which I know Sriram will talk about. But can you just give us a sense of what the vision was, what prompted it, its creation, what some of the external, internal trends and uh, issues that, that made you go in this direction and think beyond 25 years? Well, there, there are different triggers. Um, one of them is that the technology itself evolved um, so if, if you look, for instance, at the IoT domain, uh, the cost of sensors, the, the, the easy way of connecting things these days, you know, using mobile devices and mobile network platforms um, triggers it. So, you know, we, we are constantly looking at, at new technologies uh, to apply, uh, even for, um, you know, mission-critical uh, systems like the hydromedia system that we just replaced with, with, with the IBM uh, uh, Watson IT platform. So looking at new technologies will inspire you and, um, and, and will 
you know, open up new opportunities for the future. That's one thing. From the other side, we, if you look at our, our tenants in the port, like terminals, they are way more automated than we are as, as a port authority. If you look at uh, the most, um, most um, automated terminal in the world, there are WG terminal in Rotterdam. So that's Rotterdam... World Gateway Terminal on the far end of the Mars Flutter 2, you won't see anyone on the terminal no more. It's fully, fully automated. So the unloading and loading of containers on, on vessels is completely automated. The only um, manual or human in- interference is that um, a crane operator is remotely controlling multiple cranes at the same time. That's the only thing. But that will disappear in the future as well. So, um, you know, and the request for um, adequate, uh, authoritative and uh, very accurate information increases as well. With these, with, with the tenants, you know, getting more and more uh, automated um, and digitized, we as a port uh, um, have to... to you know, to provide more and more information. So it's um, it's technology-driven and it's uh, market request-driven, uh, so to speak, from our tenant side. And, and you know, if, if you look at a container, if you uh, transport a container from one side uh, of, of the world to another side of the world, to Rotterdam, for instance, more than 30 parties will be involved and more than 200 transactions Will be um, will be carried out um, in 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 that process. Um, now imagine um, a twenty thousand container uh, um, unit ship will uh, moor at the port of Rotterdam and offload you know nine thousand containers. How many actions, manual actions in the process will have to be executed, and how many errors can be made? You know, it's it's you know you, you can even one percent will lead to an enormous ineffectiveness, ineffectiveness of the operation. So um, you know, these are the things that um, that we have to uh, you know to cope with for the future. The, the, the demand on more integrated, real time, and um, uh, seamless provided information will on, only uh, uh, increase. And hence to that, we, we developed this vision of the digital twin. Um, it's, it's the digital representation of, of, of our port in which all uh, objects, you know, will carry the information needed uh, to communicate with other objects in the future. You know, and even nowadays we can, we can um, take... Um, Take profit from it because if we if we would transfer would transfer to this digital twin, we as humans still as humans you know in the middle of all these processes will be able to analyze all the data uh, in real time, and will you know make the port more efficient and more competitive to to other ports around us. And, um, you know, if you, if you think about all the ecosystem of people engaged in this, in this kind of trading uh, and movement of goods, it also can uh, bring efficiencies to the whole trading environment. And, and we're here at uh, SPADE 2019. Uh, this is our annual defense conference. 
And um, if you look at the touch points with governments and, you know, customs modernization or bills of lading and the number of manual processes engaged, I think, Irvin, I mean, you're, you're at the forefront of leading an innovation of how trade will itself change and how government processes will change. Uh, how do you feel about that? Do you, do you share that vision? Well, Sri, it's it's uh, thank you for 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 saying this. Uh, and and within the port business, um, yes, we we are on the on the front edge. Um, we know that you know we've always been, you know, a supporter of Rotterdam on the front edge of things, whether it's the energy transition or 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 even with 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 the the container, uh, the, the 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 coming of the container within our our, our world. Um, you know, it, the first container vessel moored in Rotterdam. So that's more from history. So we are used to that position, but I don't think that on. Um, on many uh, aspects, uh, we are front leader, you know, on the technology side. There are other industries that are far more, um, you know, um, uh, yeah, up front of us, um, if I can, can put it in those words. And, uh, you know, if you look at, at the, the, the air, Plane or the the yeah the the airports and the and the airplane industry they are much more standardized and I even think that uh, the defense industry is much more standardized in, on several uh, uh, topics or op- subjects, but I don't think you know it's it's going to bring them any further or it's going to bring us any further if we. Don't look at it uh, at all this as an integrated and a holistic system, um, because only from that point of view you will be able to share your information throughout multiple uh, processes. Um, and I think that's 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 a struggle many industries have. If you look, for instance, we we talked about that earlier, uh, the automotive uh, uh, industry and the and the autonomous cars. Um, you know, the, the cars will have to communicate with with smart objects that are situated into cities, and there there will have to be authoritative uh, sources like municipalities or public works uh, departments that that cope with detours. Um, you know, if something changes in the in the context of the car, you know, the road will be detoured or there is an accident. Someone ha- has to, um, you know, have to has to give the signal and update the systems for all the cars uh, available that they have to take into consideration a detour. And the same applies within the port. Um, you know, if something happens, you know, we... we will have to interfere into the systems of vessels that, that will be autonomous in the future uh, and maybe visit the port for the first time. So they, they, they don't know anything about the port. And still, you know, we will have to communicate with these vessels. And, um, yeah, if you, if you look at it in, from that perspective, it, it, the, whole, the whole digital transformation gets on to another level. You know, because there won't be any smart port in the world where, uh, where in 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 which not every party will share its information. It's a, it's a mandatory, and uh, yeah. So no, it's a it's a fascinating, fascinating conversation. Yeah, yesterday on the on your on your topic of uh, autonomous vehicles, 
you know, one of the panelists uh, that we were listening to at, at this conference uh, was talking about what happens if uh, if a pedestrian walks in front of an autonomous car. Mm. It's it's trained to stop, and 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 can you imagine that happening in a very busy busy uh, city? And uh, people will take advantage of this, right? So just walk, yeah. and and so municipalities and police systems will need to change to say, hey, you just walked in front of a car, uh, you know, when you're not allowed to. Here's a fine for ten dollars. Next time it'll be something more. So, just the whole notion of governance and policy setting and and rules of engagement will change in this in this kind of digital environment. Yes, I agree. I yeah. agree. So it all has to be reimagined. So let me let me come back to this uh, digital twin concept. You talk with passion about this container number forty-two. I have to ask you about this. So what is this container 42 and where is it right now? All right. So, well, the container, first of all, for the audience, the, the container 42 is, uh, is the smartest container this planet has ever seen. Um, and uh, it derived from the vision that um, if you look at the container um, and, you, and you take the metaphor container and port, a container is very strong. It's a big success. I think that 85% of the consumer goods you see around you uh, every day uh, have been shipped by um, or has been shipped uh, in a container. So it's a very, from a logistical point of view and a physical point of view, it's very strong. It's very, very successful. Um, and, you know, we as a port of Rotterdam, you know, we have been successful as well. You know, we are strong ports, you know, we are very, uh, you know, it, we, we, were, we, we were the biggest port in the world. You know, our infrastructure is for the seventh year in a row, the, the, the best infrastructure, port infrastructure in the world. Um, and, uh, but still, you know, if you look at Darwin, you, you won't make it in being big or being the best. You know, you have to be smart. So as a metaphor for a smart port, uh, we build this smart container 42. The name, of course, derives from the uh, the, the great uh, books of uh, Douglas Adams, his Hiker Guide to the Galaxy. And uh, it's it's a metaphor for the smart port of the future. We don't know yet which questions will be asked to the uh, to the smart port of the future. In, for instance, in relations to uh, to um, autonomous shipping. Uh, so you know, even the answers are not known if the questions are not known. But we know for one thing for sure that the answer to everything will be forty two. You know, <laughs> so that that gives <laughs> some peace at heart. Um, so yeah, it's a it's a data collective platform. Um, we we do that with our partners, uh, embracing the idea with their technology, and we're going to send it around the world for two years to collect all kind of data and and look for new um, you know applications or new way of making ports smarter uh, in in relation to the to our future. It's 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 on its way now, by the way, to Munich. Transport and Logistic uh, Conference in Munich, and um, and after that, you know, we'll get it back to to Rotterdam to do some retests, and then it goes uh, to China by the the train route, the new train route, uh, and then you know we'll, afterwards we will see. But stay tuned. It'll it'll be a very interesting journey, I'm sure. Um, I also love this. Um, uh, just love the concept of, you know, how you're using technology such as IoT to measure the depth of water, to understand 60 years of data you have around tide levels, 
to kind of look at optimizing container uh, loads on ships and how you're working with industry to kind of really change the nature of how they make money as well. So would you talk a little bit about that aspect of, of your digital twin, please? Yeah, so in the digital twin, uh, imagine that we, we can predict more and more precise in the future the water depth. Um, and the water depth in a port consists of the, the water bottom, so the dredging area, the, the dredging depth, and the, and the water height. Uh, and in Rotterdam, you know, we have at, at, the, at the sea side, we have a, um, a tide of, you know, one to two meters. So imagine a, a ship. So if we can provide, you know, the, the, the exact, you know, on a centimeter uh, base in the future, in, in the uh, we can we can predict like twenty se- uh, no uh, seventy two hours in ahead the exact uh, water depth in any place in the port. Imagine you know you are the owner of a container vessel and you want to load it for Rotterdam. You know if if you don't if we don't provide this most accurate information a captain of that ship will say all right i will i will take in consideration the safety margin of let's say one and a half meter because i don't know the depth there but i i will i know that the depth is like 17 or 18 meters or 20 meters but still i'm gonna i'm gonna take into consideration uh, a safety margin uh, the, the, the the term for that is under keel clearance um, you know, and imagine that in the future we would provide, you know, exact information on centimeters level. He can maybe decrease that safety margin and under keel clearance to 30 centimeter. That means that he would have one meter and 20 more cargo on board. That means on a ship of 400 meters of length and 60 meters of width, that's a lot of, that are a lot of iPhones. And uh, in that way, you know, we are contributing uh, to a more sustainable world as well, because more cargo on a ship, more efficient uh, cargo transportation uh, means less ships, and less ships means less pollution. Mm. Interesting. Our listeners probably are familiar with uh, autonomous cars, but I want to go back to the concept of a autonomous vessel. Captainless is another term they said. How, how far away are we from that, and uh, what are the implications? All right, Michael. There, there are two aspects of autonomous shipping. Uh, autonomous ships and uh, unmanned ships are not the same. So, for instance, for instance, yeah, for, for instance, a cruise ship will always have uh, people on board because it's it's you know it's it's designed to to transport people from A to B. Um, so and there's a lot of um, um, how do you say it um, um, error error. The, the people think wrongly about these two terms. They mix them and it's not um, unless the international maritime organization um, is is changing their uh, international law. So it's it's a part of the United Nations and taking uh, care of the international law on water. A captain is mandatory on board of every ship. Um, but what I know is that the IMO is its its roadmap to autonomous shipping uh, is focusing on right now um, is focusing in um, 
2000, I think 2024 or 2025, uh, they are going to change their legislation. And from that point, uh, it will be possible to have a captain on shore, remote controlling a, a boat, uh, providing he has fully uh, access to all the necessary systems, etc. So that will be the first step for autonomous uh, shipping. And the first autonomous vessel already is in uh, production. It's a, it's a ferry called Falco in Finland. So many people might not be aware of it, but um, we are living in an autonomous vessel era right now. The first one is all already in production, yeah. but but it still has a, a captain on board, of course, because regulation uh, um, requires it. Requires right it. Now. Yeah, yeah. Can smart. I ask? And I know sure I'm touched on this, but what if we can get into a little bit? What kind of technology affords this cre- the creation of these things? Is it is it IoT? Is it GIS? What what uh, is it? The sensors? I mean, it sounds like almost a drone or a game when yeah. you have them on the. Yeah. Uh, well, all all. All what you mentions are, are mentioned is, is applicable, yeah. But if you look at the uh, the shipping industry, um, I think that if you now compare it with building a house, if you um, if you build your house, you know the, the main structure, you know like the walls and the and the and the, and the concrete, uh, uh, you know it's it's not that expensive, you know, and the bricks and the and the roof. Once you let your wife decide on the kitchen, <laughs> you know, or, or the bathroom. You know, <laughs> you know, you know, the status of your credit card will change <laughs> rapidly. So, and the same applies with 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 vessels. You know, um, all the equipment on board on the bridge um, and all the uh, rooms, uh, like the kitchen or the sleeping uh, facilities for the crew, the fire systems, you know, every the air conditioning, everything that you build for people is basically, you know, uh, as much as, as the whole ship, uh, you know, it's maybe 50% of the cost. Um, and also the, the, the space requiring it. So if you imagine... You won't have the, those costs for humans to be on board and to make, you know, as much as possible a comfortable living and a safe living on board. If you don't have that cost and you don't need the space for all the corridors and the bedrooms and whatever, the facilities, uh, even the, the life uh, boats, you know, that, that are attached to every ship, if you can re- replace that, you know, by cargo, you know, the ships of the future, you know, can have more cargo on board or the same cargo with a smaller ship. And that's one of the drivers of the industry, you know. Uh, and, and the other one, the other thing is that uh, it's like putting your car on a cruise control. It will consume less fuel than, you know, when 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 you hit the gas pedal. One way or the other, it works that way. So they're going to um, they're gonna save cost on... Uh, on building the ships and operating the ships and, and, and being more efficient. Now, and then, then comes where, 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 does, uh, where do ports come into this uh, vision? Well, you know, these ships, if they are autonomous and they have no people on board, they will have to communicate with infrastructure. So they have to in, uh, communicate with the water bottom uh, so to speak, of the, the, the bottom of uh, the river or the sea, or they have to communicate with cranes. Hey, crane, can you retract because you're in my way? You know, nowadays this communication is done by people, 
you know, marathon, you know, or or just signaling, um, you know, get out of our way or whatever. But in the future, you know, um, a, a ship will communicate with a bollard. You know, it will say, hey, listen, last time uh, I visited this place, uh, I saw there was a work order for inspection uh, on, on, on you. Uh, has that been executed yet? Because I want to be sure that you are safe. You have an, enough strength to hold the lines, you know, and, and, and listen, I, I foresee there's a, a storm coming in of, of, uh, 6.04, you know, and it, are you strong enough to hold me, you know, when I'm 60 meters height, you know, um, and a container will, will communicate with a, with a crane in the future, you know, uh, if, if a container as an object, as an autonomous object, is entering the port and uh, it should remain on, on on the vessel, but it's picked off and you know in error and put on uh, on on the terminal in the wrong port. It will it will mention this. It will say to the crane, right, leave me alone. Uh, you know you're not the one who's going to pick me. Or in the other uh, event, you know these are just ideas that pop in into my mind here. If a container is uh, being forgotten. You know, like, you know, the, the hassle we have when, when the luggage uh, doesn't arrive, you know, at, at, at the airport of destination. If the container has been forgotten on the key wall and it hears the, the crane moving away and it hears uh, the, uh, the ship uh, starting its engine, it will send out, you know, an, uh, an alert. You know, you are forgetting me. I have to get me on board. You know, and these are these are typical the errors what I was explaining in this in this uh, in this complicated process of container logistics or port uh, operations that are you know you know still driven by humans. The humans don't have their systems connected. It's not a holistic system. You know, it it, it takes a human to update the status instead of an object uh, updating its status within this digital world. And uh, yeah, that's we, we. These are just examples how how a digital twin and autonomous an autonomous port, a smart port, can can interact with smart objects. What does the future hold for the Port of Rotterdam? We will ask Erwin Rademacher, Program Manager with the Port of Rotterdam Authority, when this special edition of the Business of Government Hour returns. The federal government can reduce costs while improving services by adopting private sector cost reduction strategies and technologies to achieve similar benefits in government. Check out the IBM Center special report, Transforming Government Through Technology. It outlines how technology-based reforms can reduce federal costs by more than a trillion dollars over the next decade. Download Transforming Government Through Technology and all Center reports at businessofgovernment.org. What is military design thinking? How is design being used to transform military planning processes? What is the Joint Special Operations University doing to educate special operations personnel in the use of design thinking? Join Michael Keegan as he explores these questions and more with Hal McNair, Director of Continuing Education at the Joint Special Operations University, and faculty members Ben Zweibelson and Nate Schwagler. The Business of Government Hour, every Monday at 11 a.m. on Federal News Radio, 1500 a.m. Welcome back to a special edition of the Business of Government Hour, the Spade interview series. 
I'm Michael Keegan, your host, and my guest today is Erwin Rademacher, Program Manager with the Port of Rotterdam Authority. My co-host is Sriram Viswanathan, IBM Global Managing Director for Government, Healthcare, and Life Sciences. So, I mean, just leading on from some of the ideas that you had, I mean, one of the biggest issues today is security. Yeah. Um, and, and the security of goods and transportation of goods and making sure that the trade lanes are secure. And a lot of government listeners would be very interested in this notion of how your container 42 could actually say, hey, I haven't been tampered with um, and here are the goods that I have. Do you think, do you see that world being realistic? Okay. Yes, for sure. And I think we, we, will, we will have to. Um, the cybersecurity uh, will be the uh, the number one topic. You know, if we become more and more uh, dependent on on smart systems and uh, especially the algorithms, so the AI algorithms that that can predict more and more, cybersecurity will be the main topic to address. So let's stick with the, the container. Um, a physical container is very vulnerable in the in the physical world when it's digitally being lost. You know, if it's unknown or it's it's you know deleted from from one system or with an error, it's not updated in the system. Physically, it will be very vulnerable because you know you you won't expect the container to be in the location anymore where it should be. So I, yeah, I think that, um, you know, becoming more and more um, dependent on, on, on smart systems algorithm depends on another way of thinking about cybersecurity as an integrated part of whatever we do. So anything we will design for the digital twin will be uh, secured by design. And that's why we you know also you know we partner with the, the biggest companies in the world, enabling us to do that. Yeah, as I as I imagine, uh, Michael, the future of the of of trade, it's it's inspiring, right? So you have this example, and of course, as you probably saw the announcement, you know we've extended our trade lens, uh, trade lens, uh, you know, uh, initiative to include more uh, shipping uh, uh, shippers, if you like. Uh, uh, so, uh, in addition to Musk, we've we've got a few more uh, on board into the trade lens, uh, trade the lens blockchain into the blockchain yeah. initiative. Yeah. So, if you if you combine all of these technologies, the IoT, the blockchain, and then you look at the cybersecurity implications, the implications on movement of goods, uh, the impli- impli- implication on simplification of government processes around customs and and taxation, um, it's a new world we are reimagining. Yeah, one, one, I think one of the, the, the key success drivers for uh, becoming more and more secure in the digital world will be uh, to make things uh, more standardized and more simple. This is quite the opposite where we ended in the, in the for instance, container logistics industry. So we need more standards, world, global standards, uh, I always take the, the, the example of the, the wall plugs, wherever you go, yes. you know, and then, you know, f- for the computer. So I, 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 you know, worked with PCs with, with COM1 and COM2 and parallel ports, you know, with all the, all the cables involved. And then suddenly someone invented the USB. 
imagine that. You know, someone invented it. And and still now we have several types of USB. Yeah. So you know, we we we, are, we we don't learn from the past, uh, obviously. But you know, I think that um, uh, if you keep your whole thinking very simple and you apply the the right standards, then you know you will be able to to secure it uh, uh, more. Well, with 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 less uh, effort, I think that's that's a key uh, uh, key thing, key lesson to learn. <laughs> I, I know you're also passionate, and you mentioned a few times uh, the energy transition. Yes. And uh, you know, you've taught me quite a lot about how how much uh, ships actually pollute uh, as well. So, for the audience, it would be very useful to just you know, your perspective on the energy transition that that you've taken on. Yeah, so, um, well, the maritime industry, what, uh, you know, and this is all, you know, you can, you can Google it up, uh, you know, this is all United Nations uh, documentation as well. But um, the, the maritime industry is, is quite pollutive, um, and that's due to, the, to the, the fuel they are using, the tanker oil or the bunker oil. Um, that's very sul- sulfur, I don't know, it's very uh, it's, intense. It, intense, sulfur intense. And th- th- it's publicly unknown because um, on international waters, the laws for the governments uh, or countries uh, don't apply. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's, it's, that, that's the area where the maritime uh, industry is, is moving their goods, of course, uh, overseas and international waters. So um, as a port, you know, we want, we want to, to the, uh, the whole energy transition is not only about the, you know, mo- making the, the, the shipping industry more efficient by providing more accurate data. It's also by, uh, you know, as a port, how can we transfer from all these fossil fueled uh, processes within the port into a more electric and, and more renewable uh, um, and more renewable energy uh, resources. So, you know, this is one of the, the things that uh, is not only for, it will impact us all, you know, uh, in the world, but it, it will impact the port from the maritime industry more um well, the ships will be, you know, in the future, will might run on hydrogen or biodiesel or uh, even electric, uh, electrical uh, vessels, you know, with renewable, uh, more renewable resources. And as a port, 50% of our revenue uh, is uh, deriving from fossil fueled um, products or chemicals. So we have to transit uh, as a port, um, you know, to, to attract other customers, maybe more container terminals or other industries, the industries of the future, the energy providers of the future. And we have to transit our port ourselves to this electric or hydrogen. Uh, we don't know which one, you know, it's going to be uh, the winner. We think it's going to be a mix of electrical uh, power and hydrogen power. So this is, you know, this is, and we need, and, and this is where the digital, uh, the digital transformation and the energy transition um, shake hands. We need smart systems, you know, to operate smart grids or to know where energy is needed or where we have to uh, create new infrastructure for new types of energy. And and this is, you know, this is where these two uh, combined will will plus up to three, I guess. 
Yeah, it's isn't that fascinating? And what? And so again, for the audience, I uh, I work with government clients around the world, and one of the things we find is all of the technologies we've talked about are actually maturing very very quickly, but yet I see a lot of governments, you know, kind of still do pilots and proof of concepts, yeah. and I see you not just as an evangelist of the use of technology to change the world, but actually making making it happen. So as we part, as we conclude, Irvin, do you have one suggestion uh, to the audience on how do they go from small pilots to really scaling and thinking about things like the digital twin? Well, I, 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 could, I could say this, um, you know, start with a vision and a mission, a very um, a comprehensive uh, vision uh, and a mission uh, in, in how you want to transform uh, to the future. Uh, and that, that takes leadership and that takes courage because many of the things are unknown, but you have to embrace the unknown because it will, it will move you further ahead. And the second thing is that uh, realize you can't do it alone. So look for partners that have the same, they may have a different business model, you know, with all respect, you know, respect that. Um, but they might have the same vision as you have because, you know, the topics we were discussing, it's not about us, it's about future generations. And um, many of the, of, the, of the leaders, you know, uh, think, you know, or will have to think about the next generation because they are the ones that are going to replace them. So um, look at partners that share your vision. Uh, if it's comprehensive enough and you can explain it like I try to do, I hope the audience knows a little bit more about uh, a port, uh, the Port of Rotterdam and its mission now. If you can understand that, you know, try to leverage that with, with partners that are world leaders in their segments. They might have, again, uh, have different business models. That doesn't hurt. Um, and try to align them, you know, to create this new future for the better. That's great. Erwin, thank you for joining us today. Thank you, Michael. Appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. This has been a special edition of the Business of Government Hour, the Spade interview series. My guest was Erwin Rademacher, Program Manager with the Port of Rotterdam Authority. My co-host was Sriram Viswanathan, IBM Global Managing Director for Government, Healthcare, and the Life Sciences. Be sure to join me next week for another informative, insightful, and in-depth conversation exploring the intersection of government, technology, and leadership. For the Business of Government Hour, I'm Michael Keegan, and thanks for joining us. This has been the Business of Government Hour. Be sure to visit us on the web at businessofgovernment.org. There you can learn more about our programs and get a transcript of today's conversation. Until next week, it's businessofgovernment.org. What is military design thinking? How is design being used to transform military planning processes? What is the Joint Special Operations University doing to educate special operations personnel in the use of design thinking? Join Michael Keegan as he explores these questions and more with Hal McNair, Director of Continuing Education at the Joint Special Operations University, and faculty members Ben Zweibelson and Nate Schwagler. The Business of Government Hour, every Monday at 11 a.m. on Federal News Radio, 1500 a.m.